0: Sequelcast 2 and Friends is part of the Greenlit Podcast Network. For more information, go to greenlitpodcast.com. This is a vintage episode of Sequelcast 2 and Friends. Audio quality may not be up to current standards. We apologize for the nastier audio artifacts. Take a
1: face of action. Green food. get across the whole sector of each other. Admiral, we have enemy ships in sector 47.
2: It's a trap. After the credits roll, there's always more to tell. Especially when the video sales are doing really well. From Shock Treatment to Jason
1: X to Police Academy 6. This is Sequel Cast, and they are past at following a franchise until. The best that
0: I informed you that the show will now begin. Hello and welcome to the sequel cast. The sequel cast is a podcast that looks at movies in a franchise one film at a time we 're in the middle of looking at the several films in the Star Wars Saga with a look at Star Wars episode Six: Return of the Jedi, directed by Richard and produced by Howard Kazanjian, with a screenplay by Lawrence Kasdan and George Lucas, based off a story by George Lucas. Stars all the classic trilogy regulars, including uh, some new ones. Ian McDermott plays the Emperor, and um, that's pretty the, the major new cast member this time around. And of course, Jabba the Hutt, who I'm not sure who does his voice. I think it might just be animal sounds like the Wookiee sounds are. Uh, music again by John Williams, cinematography by Alan Hume, uh, distributed by 20th Century Fox. Came out May 25th, 1983, in the U.S., running time 136 mid- minutes. I almost said midgets there. Uh, off a budget of 30, There's plenty of those, though. Yeah, plenty of those. Uh, Although the, they're called little people. Yes. Uh, off a budget of 32.5 million, which is roughly around the same budget as Empire Strikes Back. This one made $475 million. I'm not sure if that's worldwide or not, but certainly the gross for Return of the Jedi was better than Empire Strikes Back, or is more. And. Um, Although Empire was no slouch in the Grossing department either. Uh, hey, are they
1: doing a um, are they doing a big celebration anniversary for this one? Because uh, we're coming up on 30 years on this.
0: Oh that's uh, that's BJ. you just heard. And we're Howdy, guys Thrasher. Hello and check out episodes of our show at sequelcast.com and the sequelcast is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Podcast fleet. Check out other members of the Battleship Pretension Podcast fleet, including the Battleship Pretension and the Ottercast, at battleshippretension.com. Um, you know, it, at these, uh, anniversaries, uh, BJ, they've done those very nice, like several hundred page hardcover books, the making of star Wars, making of empire strikes back. They're certainly doing one of those for making of return of the Jedi for it's geez, I guess like, uh, oh, 30th anniversary, 30th anniversary. Yeah, be thir- that's
1: why I said, cause I just turned yeah. 30 and, uh, I, right. I was only six months old when this one came out. So.
0: Yeah, I would have been a little bit over a year old uh, myself, but sure. I think I can say, you know, Return of the Jedi was um, the first Star Wars film I ever saw. I mean, the first Star Wars thing I knew at all was from the merchandising of The Job of the Hut in a puzzle game. So, um,
1: merchandising, merchandising. But the real money from the movie is made,
0: in the sequel.
1: That's actually why I asked, because I remember when uh, there was the whole Empire uh, anniversary, 30th anniversary, uh, was it you know, a couple years ago? Or it might have been last year. Yeah. So, um, and they just had so much stuff. Like, all the Legos that year were, like, Hoth-themed.
0: I think so. this year you might see a little bit less, just because it's officially when the Disney acquisition of all things uh, Lucasfilm, Arts, whatever, has started. And there's some transitioning period. I'm not sure... If the existing contracts with whatever toy makers they have has to run out first,
1: well, I don't. Or, I don't really know how the licensing deal works. Um, yeah, I don't know. Either. I'm pretty sure it all still goes through Lucasfilm. It's just that Lucasfilm is now a wholly owned subsidiary of the Walt Disney Corporation. Or did they change their name? I don't know what their name is anymore. I'm. I think that- I think, I think you just, just you'd think that exist. you wouldn't want to miss that. Even though you're in transition period, you wouldn't want to miss a uh, a big decade anniversary.
0: Well, you know, we'll be having a, a guest on for our Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith episodes, who knows oh, cool. far more about that than um, you or I. So, you
2: want to tease us on who that is, or are we going to save that?
0: I, uh... Yeah, I'll tease who it is. I mean, this could backfire because it could end up falling through, but I think we got it. <laughs> it's it's uh, What we have planned for those episodes as a guest is uh, Nathan P. Butler, who is uh, the creator of the Star Wars timeline Gold. He's heavy, heavy on the chronology between you know the movies, the books, the comic books, the training cards, the chewing gum. Hey,
1: so those- the kind of guys that I sometimes avoid because I don't know as much stuff as them and you don't want them to go... Correct you, because then you feel embarrassed, like you're not good enough as a nerd.
0: Well, I think it'll be a good, a good compliment, a good, a different, a different point of view, if you will. I mean, certainly with the the prequels, there is a lot of extended material out there, with all the different Clone Wars stuff in particular. But I mean, we're not talking about the Clone Wars and all that. We're doing Return of the Jedi. (laughs) And uh, when I was watching this film, I was listening to the the new audio commentary they have on the the recent Blu-ray release. And Mark Hamill said something really interesting. He said, you know, he was thinking maybe in this film, and he he wasn't joking, that Boba Fett would take off the mask and you'd find it was a woman, and that woman's really Luke Skywalker's mother. And he was wanting it to go to all sorts of weird places, and he was disappointed with how easy all the loose ends get tied up. And George Lucas says, well, this movie isn't made for you, Mark. This is is intended to just be a, a fairy tale set in space for children.
1: But that – oh, that would have been so cool if that Boba Fett was actually a woman in his – that would have been really sweet. I I have heard – Because it would have been a great mirroring of the whole Leia yes. taking off the mask. That would yep. have been brilliant. And,
2: also, and it also – there was even – because that all got dred, uh, dredged up again because when they did the special edition of Return of the Jedi, there was lots of talk about there being possibly a scene where Boba Fett takes off the mask and once again the idea being that it would be a woman under there.
0: And there's also uh, and another idea Mark Hamill pitched to him was he would want the beginning of the film, like the Millennium Falcon would be flying around with Lando and, and Leia and the droids. And all of a sudden they see uh, a familiar X-Wayne fly into, you know, in front of them and like, oh, it's Luke. Luke, how are you doing? And they get a closer look at him. And Luke Skywalker looks like he's gone crazy. He has a crazy samurai knot on the back of his head. He has a scar down his face and he just starts attacking them in his X-Wing and you're uh, not sure if he's turned to the dark side or not and I don't know I mean, maybe he's a clone are, or, <laughs> or who knows I mean you know I think those are all real neat alternate ideas and uh, so by this film Return of the Jedi you have so many balls and by balls I mean characters and plot lines and things not not so real yeah so, no, ex- no, except for spaceballs.
1: I don't know it's, it is a pretty balls heavy um, series I I mean, I'm pretty sure, like, pretty much Princess Leia is the only woman in the entire galaxy. And, and, and wait, no, You get Mon Mothma at, at one point.
2: She, yeah. she, she's a MILF, but the M stands for Mon Mothma. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Mothma, mm. I'd like <laughs> Mothma, I'd like to fuck. Mothma, I'd like to fuck.
2: Of all the Mothmas, yeah, she is the hottest and most desirable Mothma.
0: Note that we said Moth... Mothma, not Mothra. Okay.
1: Oh, I was just about to make a two, two midget, you know, two little tiny Ewoks singing a song for her.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> I mean, that's I, a mashup we need to do. We need to do Star Wars versus Godzilla.
0: I think uh, one thing, I, the first thing I think about when I look at Return of the Jedi is it almost feels like two. Mo- you're getting a double feature. Mm, yeah. In that, all the stuff at Jabba's palace, rescuing Han Solo. And then all the stuff on Endor and the Death Star Two. And, yeah, you really get uh, a
1: heavy tonal shift between those two sections of the movie. You probably could have made two movies out. of In fact, that's probably what they would yeah. do now, as they'd make two separate—one just for the whole Jabba, uh storyline, and then another for uh, for the uh, fighting the Empire.
2: And I think that, that would another work. one with Star Wars based on the notes in the Cimmerillion.
0: Yes, the the appendices, the Journal of the Wills. I think they call it. Um The
2: Willis, yes. The,
0: the journal of the Bruce Willis. Uh, yeah. That's
1: and, kind of pretty empty. Vapid.
0: Balding. <laughs> it, it looks vaguely like a Joseph Gorvet Levitt if you knock back five shots and squint.
2: Goodness. <laughs> <laughs> oh, something I did I did want to uh to touch on uh is that uh, you know, it's, we, we've we already established that Return of the Jedi is the best of all the Star Wars movies, but Return of the, and it's, it's, a, it's a, a feelings I do agree with, but Return of the Jedi has always been my favorite.
0: It's been mine, too, especially, like, I love the stuff on Tau at the beginning. I think that's some of my favorite Star Wars stuff, period.
1: The fact that you do you've revisit places in Jedi, mm. That you went in the first movie really makes a. I think that is, has a big, uh, a big part of its success. Well, it feels
0: more like Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope than Empire did.
1: Mm, exactly, because you, you start off on Tatooine just as you did before, yeah. and you end up on the death with the Death Star again just as you did before. So you get these these two very iconic places from Star Wars to come back.
0: And I think you look at the other film that's the end of a Star Wars trilogy, which we'll talk about in a few weeks, the Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith. And just like Return of the Jedi, it's very much like a stuffed baked potato of the movie. You know, you're not you're not just getting bacon and cheese on this baby. You're getting sour cream and chives, <laughs> and a little bit of land. That's
1: what you think of as a stuffed baked potato, man. We put like steak in it here, man. Steak? Really? Oh, oh, yeah. I didn't heard yeah, never... that. baked potato. Oh yeah, that. steak baked potato.
0: That's it's better like than a, bantha. That sounds like a steak potato to me. Mm. <laughs> 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 uh, I love this Return of the Jedi poster that you can see on the Wikipedia page.
2: Oh yes, with uh, with uh, Leia in the foreground, and Leia in the,
0: slave Leia in the foreground, or Leia in her slave outfit, I should say. And. Uh, well, there's...
2: There's a, well, there's all sorts of semantics because I know, like the the action figure is sometimes referred to as Slave Leia. It is sometimes referred to as Jabba's prisoner Leia. It is sometimes referred to as I think hostage Leia. Hmm. Um, although I think I think it, the fandom pretty much has 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 assured that it's going to be remembered as Slave Leia until the end of time.
0: Well, I think what's funny is uh, you know George Lucas was involved in consulting on. I mean he has to rubber stamp everything whether it's a costume a creature design what have you and so he ultimately approved the slave leia costume and they're kind of teasing him jokes saying no oh, george i didn't know you're into bondage so much look at this outfit <laughs> and he played completely dumb uh, uh reportedly and was like i i don't know what that what, what what's snm i i I don't, I don't know what that means uh well wiki I... has 10 fingers
2: I I don't think that is at all what he was going for, though, because looking looking at the the Slave Leia costume, it really it is really right out of a Frank Frazetta cover for mm. an Edgar Rice Burroughs Mars novel.
0: And uh, on the commentary, Carrie Fisher complained a lot how and all the other films Princess Leia, the character of Leia has spunk, but when she's Slave Leia, she doesn't talk at all, and no character talks to her.
2: Well, you know, I've done a lot of thinking about that, and I, I honestly like Jabba being the unsavory character he is. I bet he's got her. I bet he's got her drugged. They just—it's just too unsavory to actually depict that.
0: Oh, um, that like to actually
2: depict her being drugged on the screen. Um, that—that that was always any my number take of things.
1: It. Could I mean it could be something in the collar. It could be all kinds of stuff. Oh yeah.
2: Or, on the other hand, Leia could be taking the exact same cocktail of drugs that Carrie Fisher was at the time.
1: Or she could be playing along, knowing that some, knowing that there's a plan. Waiting right. for the moment to strike. Uh-huh. I
0: mean, uh, we talked about the special edition. The special edition out of the original trilogy for Jedi have the most changes. Do you miss the removal of the original song, Lapty Neck, with the... Uh, what is it? Size noodles, slice noodles. Size noodles. Size yes. noodles.
2: Um I no, do that's...
1: prefer the... Oh sorry, oh, yeah. go on.
2: Oh no, I, I do prefer the original sequence Loptineck. I don't like the Jedi Rocks numbers. For for a couple of reasons. Um one, Lopty Neck is such a wonderful blending of anachronistic styles that it doesn't date the film. It's a little bit funk, it's a little bit jazz. it's even a, the Disco. slightest bit klezmer like you you can't pin it down, but it sounds good you know it's it's the same reason why it was genius to have uh to have an alien honky tonk jazz band playing in a new hope it doesn't yeah. it, it doesn't pin the film down as existing in any particular era uh two it the original version of Loptie isn't overlong, and it adds a lot of color to Jabba's palace. There's still stuff going on in the movie when they're when when they're doing that song and dance number. But with Jedi Rocks, the whole movie has to stop so that we get this protracted uh, musical number that is trying to sound like a very specific kind of pop music, which does kind of lock the film down, even though it wasn't really like a, a mid-90s kind of pop music. The other thing I don't like is it's it's glaring how much the Jedi Rocks number is inserted into the film, because what's our introduction to it? Is, is Jabba going, I like that song, play it again? But it's not as if we have come into the tail end of that performance, and it I just find it to be very
1: distracting. See, I actually that when that song replacement doesn't bother me as much as the ending song. Mm. Mm. Uh, I'm I'm I much prefer Yub Yub to whatever the the new thing was. It, it just kind of I know they want to show this epic scale, but I'm sorry, those kind of celebrations and things wouldn't happen that quickly. Yeah, it would still take time for the news to spread. And, you know, the revolutionaries to organize and get things going. So yeah, to I mean, me, it's just so unrealistic. And, yeah, like
0: and if it, you listen carefully at the end montage of the special edition of Return of the Jedi, I think like it's on Coruscant or something where they type all the statue of the emperor. And if you can hear a Gungan say, we are so free.
1: Oh, I think or, they did really? that in like the I think that's the Blu-ray edition.
0: It might be like you have to really listen for it if because if, otherwise you wouldn't notice it. Yeah, but it's, it's not it's supposed there, to be I'm... Jar Jar. It doesn't like cut to a close up or anything. And yet, at
2: the same time, like, like it would be more re- like realistic if if uh, you know the the Empire is killed. And instead of seeing celebrations all across the galaxy, we see people getting brutalized all across the galaxy as the surviving generals and regional governors crack down on the populations. So they can hold on to what power they have.
1: Now that that's for the books later
2: on. Uh, true, true.
0: Yeah, and I mean, if you want to talk about weird changes on the Blu-ray, I guess we can talk about that now before we're talking about the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them in Jabba's palace is they composite a uh, a Dug and a Dug is the is the the alien that loves patty mayonnaise. No, uh, a Doug hey. <laughs> a Dug is the alien that Sebulba was like the kind of evil racer alien dude that raced against the little Anakin kid in Phantom Menace. Oh, yeah. They composite mm-hmm. one of those aliens walking through Java's Palace in the shadows. Like, it's barely noticeable. And.
1: I guess it's, you know, they're trying to tie it back in. They are. And I got, I got to give them, if it's something subtle like that, I got to give them credit.
0: Because you know what? Subtle. I didn't even
1: notice that. I probably just said. Yeah. I probably just looked over it, and if I didn't, if I wasn't looking for it, I wouldn't notice it. But, you know, younger kids may, well, exactly. because they recognize right. and grew up with Dugs.
0: And the other change they did, which got a lot of people very uh, upset, including Simon Pegg, who plays Scotty in the newer uh, Star Trek films.
2: Somehow they got Greedo to shoot first in Return of the Jedi.
0: No, but I don't know if you know about this, Thrasher, if you read about it at the time, it was a big stink on the internet. The scene at the end where, uh, you know, the Emperor is beating the shit out of Luke and Darth Vader, like, looks down and looks over at Luke and looks down. He's kind of thinking what to do, like, right before he picks up the Emperor and tosses him down the the, the power shaft. Mm -hmm. They dubbed in dialogue of Darth Vader going, uh, as he picks up the Emperor, no, no. Oh, dear. Really? I didn't even
1: notice it. To me, the whole changing out, you know, the original uh, Anakin Skywalker for uh, Hayden Christensen was a bigger change to me.
0: That's weird. Yeah. That's just,
1: you you know what? He was good when he died. He should be his, yeah. Now, what do you think
0: Ah. if they would have composited uh, Hayden Christensen and, like, beat up Darth Vader makeup as a face when they removed the mask? At
2: one
1: point, wasn't that the plan?
0: Uh, I don't think so officially. It will
1: be for the the when the ultra when HD the version. version comes out. Yeah,
0: maybe. I mean, if you're gonna well, when
1: we get the 4K version of Star Wars,
0: if you're gonna <laughs> try to tie things together, why not just be ridiculous and go all out and say, okay? In
1: fact, wipe out all of David Prowse's Darth Vader, bring him down to Hayden Christensen's size. <laughs> Yeah. You know, we'll just have a completely CG Darth Vader in there. David Prowse,
0: him... of course being the man in the Darth Vader suit. Uh for the He didn't he didn't do a lot of the stunt work, but um But he just... should also have Hayden Christensen's voice. Uh you
1: know. <laughs> we'll, we'll put it through like a, you know, some sort of they they th- device to make it I No, it, should, it it shouldn't
2: deep. it shouldn't even be deeper, you know. <laughs> Obi-Wan never told you mm, what happened to your father.
0: That's too much emotion for Hayden Christensen. Hayden Christensen would sound like, Obi-Wan never told you what happened to your father. Solar panels. I, 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 I killed I, I killed your father. Now let's go roll in the grass. I really hate we, sand.
2: We, we shouldn't we shouldn't be ragging on Hayden Christensen in a, a movie that he's not in.
0: Nope, that'll come later. <laughs> no, he is, he he is in the latest He's version. in it now.
1: Oh, that's he's true. He's now in it.
0: They changed it so the Force Ghost at the end for Vader is Hayden Christensen, which is is weird because I sort of found that to mean if you're in a Force Ghost form, that means you've you've died and you're at peace. But um, well,
1: yeah, it's like why didn't why didn't they change out for you and McGregor Obi wan huh? Mm. You know, if, uh, if Anakin yeah, can, can look right. younger.
0: Make them all, make them all younger. Yeah, you we know, want all the young and is, spry. Force ghosts. But the other
2: thing is, it's kind of cruel because you know Luke had never seen his father. So like when like a Hayden, Hayden Christensen shows up as a as, as a as a Jedi ghost,
1: his hey, response yeah. should be, "Who the hell are you?" <laughs> well, I, here's the, why didn't they then go and throw in. Um, Throw in Qui Gon, you know. Let's
0: yes. He, had, he, he basically had an
1: effect on on training too. If you think yeah. about it, right. So we no. could have had like all. the... Why didn't we have a fourth ghost there? It would have been like the Beatles. of In force fact, ghost. you know what? It should have been every single Jedi who's died.
0: Oh God!
1: <laughs> should have just a big field <laughs> it's of big force field ghosts. Of Blue. Everything is right in the world that like, we can all pass on.
0: I love the Photoshop someone did uh, on the internet of. Uh, <laughs> the Golden Girls, where it's Betty White with the lightsaber. And then all the Force <laughs> Ghost are the other Golden Girls that have all died, and she's the only living one.
2: Oh, B. Arthur and Rue McClanahan. And that other one.
0: Uh, Yeah, and the other one. Oh, God.
1: Estelle Getty. Estelle Getty.
0: Yes, Getty. Who can forget the great Estelle Getty? We could, because we couldn't remember their names.
1: I, I think George Takei linked that the other day. I was... Uh, or Takei... I,
0: Oh yeah, I keep
1: wanting to say Takai, but you know, I know I should know better.
0: It's Takai, but he said he, he doesn't mind you. either way because Takai means big. <laughs> oh my, I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> oh, but um,
0: scrumptious.
2: going back on the subject of Return of the Jedi, <laughs> I love the the creature menagerie in Jabba's palace. Oh, I yeah. love all the aliens, and it really again just drives home how big. Uh, Star Wars is.
0: Well, you get the idea. The Jabba's palace stuff might be what George Lucas wanted the Cantina to look like. Had he had the money and the technology at the time? Oh no, no, it
2: it was the uh, yeah. one of the running themes that goes through all the documentaries about the making Return of the Jedi was that Lucas was always very upset about the cantina scene, that it, what, it just wasn't what he wanted, and at Return of the Jedi, the main reason Jabba's palace is so populated with aliens and creatures and things like that is because Lucas wanted to do that right. He wanted to have a gathering of all these different life forms from all across the Star Wars universe and do it, to do it properly.
0: Only man- I think we mentioned right, this
1: in the... Right there.
0: And like the Star Wars, they've done a few books about short stories of Star Wars, and they did one that was like Tales from the Cantina, and they did another one that was Tales from Jabba's Palace, which I think... That was actually the
1: first Tales book that I uh, ever owned was that one.
0: Oh, okay. And they're both pretty good. I mean, it's such a fun launching off point for these short stories.
1: But that tells you the kind of depth, though, that they brought just to their minor characters, mm-hmm. that they did such a good design work that you could really tell the story with from them.
0: Well, and of course, it's, after the fight with the Rancor, there's the moment where the trainer is kind of crying and he's upset that his beloved beast has fallen.
1: Oh, I know. Did you, did you see the that comic someone did of him nursing it back to health? Oh, no. Uh, I will have to, I'll have to link you that one. A friend of mine sent it to me uh, from Tumblr. I think that would be interesting to link with the uh, show notes or whatever. Sure, but we don't yeah. have show
0: notes. Well, you can slap it on the Facebook page. That's fine.
1: Yeah, it's it's he's crying and then he's nursing it back to health and it's it's <laughs> yeah. kind of cute and
0: yeah,
2: that is pretty neat and like it just again it shows it shows some some depth that that uh, there's just this nice presumably a nice guy who works for for Jabba who does care about this this m- monstrous animal.
0: You know,
1: I'm really surprised that they did not replace the rancor with a CG rancor. Like well, I, the puppetry is so. I'm not good. sure it is beautiful, but you you still have that the 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 kind of lurchiness of the stop motion, which I find endearing. But I st- it wouldn't have bothered me if they had done a CG version of it, but kept the same you know feel of the movements. I mean,
0: the Blu-ray version of Return of the Jedi I think is the best in that particular scene because they did a good job of removing a lot of the matte lines mm. and making it not look not pop out as much. Because some of and, the you know, compositing all, was really rough in that version of that scene,
2: and all the stuff with the rancor that was really, really exciting, yeah. and and I love that they lead into. I love that you don't see the rancor immediately; like we we just see people getting dropped into a pit and all these screams, and so it really it pays off when you finally get to see that beast crawling out of the uh, crawling out of the uh, the gate.
0: And Lucasfilm pretty much reused the rancor design for the uh, Eber Sisk monster in Willow.
1: Which was the... The monster with
0: the two heads.
1: Really? Oh, yeah. It was was, the head was almost the same. You're right.
0: Yeah. I mean, the body is different. That's more of like a dragon sort of creature, but it has that same lumpen sort of face. And I have to say it- that
1: the, the whole uh, like you were talking about, you don't see the rancor ahead. Yeah, that scene where he drops Ula in the dancer Ula into there, that really helps solidify how bad Jabba is. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and he's just going to drop some dancing, you know, half naked dancing girl down there to be eaten, <laughs> like. That really shows you he's pretty vile, and that's that's a great character development there. And he's sleazy too, because like, what what's he doing? Like,
2: what she she's objecting to? Is it is for all intents and purposes he's pulling her towards him so he can have his giant sluggy way with her, presumably?
0: Well,
1: you know. I think he likes he probably likes to lick all over the verse Look at that that yeah. tongue. Ugh.
0: I mean, Jabba the Hutt likes to have his sluggy way with uh, Princess Leia, and we at the Sequelcast like to have our sluggy way with our listeners. So let's talk about our uh, affiliates. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right, sure. That, that, that's a terrible segue. Or maybe it's genius. I I, I don't know. If, if you hadn't
2: commented on it, uh, who
0: knows? <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, the, the most direct way to support the Sequelcast is go to Sequelcast.com slash donate, and there's a link to our PayPal account, and you can donate to us, and every little bit helps, because it costs money to host the show and uh, and everything and buy and, you know, rent movies and uh, and all these sort of things. Buy and we lost a lot
2: of money in a Sabic game, so we need money to cover our gambling we debts. We need money to
0: cover our gambling needs so we can win the Millennium Falcon back. That's right. So donate at sequelcast.com donate. Uh, I mentioned earlier sequelcast is part of the Battleship Protection fleet. What I forgot to mention is the theme song to the sequelcast is written and performed by Mark with a C. And you can check out his great music at markwithac.com. Uh, a great way to listen to SequelCast is streaming on Stitcher Smart Radio. Download the app at stitcher.com slash SequelCast. And SequelCast, uh, the whole roster of shows, gets added as one of your favorites. Uh, you can download like SequelCast t-shirts and stuff from our Cafe Press link at SequelCast.com. And uh, if you like shopping on Amazon, you can hop on there and uh, SequelCast.com and click our Amazon links before you do your next round of Amazon shopping and, let's face it, who doesn't love Amazon.com? And we get a little cut of that as well. So if you do any of that, we appreciate it, but we especially appreciate it if you go to sequelcast.com slash donate and donate to our PayPal account. Uh, and check us out at facebook.com slash sequelcast. Did I miss anything?
2: Uh, I don't believe so.
0: Nope. I don't think so.
2: Oh, but but back on the subject of, of Jabba the Hutt, um... Who's just this perfect like evil sultan type character? Yep. Uh, it it do, it does bring up something with the with these these women. As near as I can tell, Jabba the Hutt has no genitals, and and certainly, uh, you know, they've never established that anything in Star Wars can crossbreed with anything else. So so when it comes down to it, like he he can probably only want these women around as status symbols to 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 op- to to you know to you know to impress the legged races. Uh, Huh. Of, of the Star Wars universe but at the same time it does it does bring up the question why is he why does he act so pervy around them
0: you know i think jabba the- you, i think you can appreciate
1: the uh the the uh, the latent sexuality of a, of another creature hmm. i know this is this is going to go really dark places if i continue but uh, so i'm not
0: <laughs> okay <laughs> okay <laughs> you I, do I, I don't want to say that i don't want to go the- in
1: public but you know you can you can really look at something and 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 understand that this is, this is attractive, even though it's not my species. Mm. And you can be attracted to that thought. That's a good point. It, well, it is just, you yeah. know, you, you can appreciate I the aesthetics of I think that's part of the something. allure of furries. I, I don't really know a lot about furries, but I'm assuming that that's part of how that works.
0: I think Jabba the Hutt would be a kind of Hutt that the way he'd love you, even if it was a different species, he wouldn't dry hump you. He'd uh, moist hump you. If you get my drift.
1: And hey, let's face it, boobies are soft, and huts look pretty, kind of you know, soft and squishy to me. So,
0: <laughs> I was surprised. Reminds Murray, him a though. little bit of a home.
1: Hey guys, you know what's better than video games
2: and beer? Cat videos. Be Arthur?
0: Incorrect. Nothing. The answer is absolutely nothing.
2: All right, all right. You know, actually, I do think you're right.
1: Agreed. We're Hair of the Dogcast. We podcast about video games and beer.
2: And beer and video games. Available weekly on the Greenlit Podcast Network. Be Arthur? Yes. We're the Spirit Hunters, and we're a show that treats Hunter Hunter and Yu
0: Hakusho's author as the center of the universe. Some weeks we do linguistic analysis. So, the Chinese meaning of this character is to smelt or refine. But so, the changed meaning in Japanese it means to temper. Other times we get absolutely smashed. So, we take one shot every time. Yusuke
1: uses the ray gun.
0: One hour later. This is the least coherent episode. You can find out more about the Spirit Hunters right here on the Greenlit Podcast Network. Yeah, I was surprised to learn with uh, Jabba the Hut. I mean, it such a great creature design and they had like about seven or eight little people inside of it controlling all these different sections and some of the stuff was remote as well. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but that it was mainly built out of four tons of clay on top of, like, a wooden base that was precariously balanced on this uh, kind of flat he was on.
1: Huh. Interesting. Well, I've seen some really great Jabba costumes, actually. One of them I, I researched. I was researching some stuff for the Star Wars LARP I wrote a while back and looking into costuming-type things, and they built this entire life-size Jabba puppet out of like couch foam types type material and PVC skeleton, oh, I've and seen it had a uh, relatively good uh, articulation.
0: I would love I would to love that. I would love to go to a comic convention dressed as Jabba the Hutt as shitty as possible, where it's like three pillows duct taped together, <laughs> 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 with a couple of googly eyes. eyes on top. Yeah, googly eyes. <laughs> and Jabba. Uh, and I think a- as a ton, I just would do a slit for my real ton to stick out of. <laughs> <laughs> very, very uh, <laughs> disturbing.
2: Oh, man.
1: <laughs> hey, Matt, have we, you, you know, seen the uh, the baby hut uh, I built? Oh, for yeah.
0: LARP? No, but I have seen the Clone Wars uh, uh, cartoon movie that had a baby hut in it. I,
1: I actually made a, a, a plushie uh, oh, baby okay. hut. Relatively, oh, really? uh, you know, based mostly off of the Clone Wars design.
0: Yeah. He called design. it The Little Turd. Yeah, yeah, that's about right.
2: <laughs> that seems to be a running theme, because isn't it like it's the nickname of the kid Stinky in, in the movie? Yes.
0: Yeah. There's quite a few nicknames in that film, which we'll cover in our spinoff episode. Um, you know, I think of Return of the Jedi and the Huds. It made me think of a, a piece of news that just popped up recently with the Disney oh. owning Star Wars. Today, in an interview with uh, MSNBC... Walt Disney CEO Bob Iger confirmed that they're doing standalone Star Wars films in addition to the Episode 7, 8, and 9. Well,
1: they uh, they actually they started that with The Clone Wars being at the uh, a full feature length in theaters animated film.
0: Right. I think what they mean, though, is that you'd have a film that would focus, that would be like the Yoda spin off film or like the Jabba the Hutt film. It'd be like the equivalent of an Iron Man, and the, the main series stuff would be like Avengers. I would,
1: you know what? I would watch a Yoda one of just his life living on Dagobah.
0: Mm. It'd be
1: kind of like a like one of those weird, like artsy films.
0: Yeah, yeah, I could see. No, that. Not
1: really adventurous, but it's just you know life and him slowly going insane.
2: <laughs> Are
0: you opposed to that idea, Thrasher?
2: No no I like like doing being more experimental with standalone films I think is it's actually a very meritorious idea. I would love okay Hollywood here's my pitch copyright me so you know first first option on the script right here. Uh I would love to do a a Star Wars heist movie where where like five people try to steal something out of Jabba's
1: palace. Oh, oh do a, do a, a prequel era and have young like Lando and Han and Chewie and some other you know undesirables, uh, doing the heist. It could be done that way. And then then they end up in that that faded game where uh, Lando <laughs> loses the Falcon to him.
0: Well, in fact, you know they this uh, in January 2013 they just came out with a novel called Scoundrels, huh. written by Timothy Zahn. That's about Han Solo and Chewbacca in an Ocean Elevens type heist caper.
1: Well, that's pretty cool. With Lando. There it uh, is. Option it right now.
0: To make his bigger score, Han's ready to take even bigger risks. But he can't even do this job solo. Oh, God. Oh. That's, that's, that's suitably...
1: It's such a great cheesy tagline. Yeah. Oh.
2: Lando is going to need a helping Han. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, he's got a Wookiee to watch his chew
1: back. uh. <laughs> right, no, I got to draw my line at that one. That one was—that okay. one was you. too bad. That went Fort- beyond yeah. bad funny.
0: Luckily, R2D2 can help him lando his spaceship. Good God. <laughs> uh, Return of the Jedi. So, I mean, what do we think of the film when you, you get this big, like, mission briefing sequence in the middle of the film and um, the rebels sort of sneak on the forest moon of Endor to ostensibly, uh, what, take out a base that'll take down the shields of the Death Star 2 so the big rebellion ships can uh, can take it out?
2: Uh I- I don't mind the mission briefing. It really it, it it helps establish exactly you know what's going on, what's at stake, and I do like again. It does impress how big Star Wars is. You know, n- name dropping the Boffin spies. Uh, yeah. And and frankly, I I like that uh, I like that we get to see a bit of uh, we get to see a bit of Admiral Akbar. It's not just like he doesn't it lays his character in so we so that once the actual massive space battle does happen, we give a damn about Admiral Akbar and what he's doing.
0: But a character I don't give a damn about in this film, unlike in the past ones, is Harrison Ford as Han Solo. Hmm. He gives a real sloppy performance. It's not really his story. No, no, it's not his story. And in fact, Empire
1: uh, was much more of a him type. Yep. And Harrison story. Ford
0: lobbied for Han Solo to die in this film.
2: Would have been interesting to have him giving a, like a noble sacrifice like that,
0: right?
1: But I don't see Han Solo as that character. While I see him as noble, I see him as finding a way to weasel out of death.
0: Now I can see <laughs> Lando sacrificing himself out of guilt. That
1: I could see. I could see Lando doing it because he definitely has this thing for really going over the top with the, uh, the, the redemption.
0: Or maybe Lando would sacrifice himself by walking around the forest moon of Endor, trying to flirt with the lady Ewoks. He's like a lady. He's like ladies, ladies, ladies. And he steps in the landmine.
2: (laughs) That's a bit anticlimactic, um,
1: I like the Ewoks, okay? I'm going to come out and say that. I actually like the Ewoks.
2: It's nice no, I don't think
1: don't there's think anything English. wrong
2: with the Ewoks.
1: Uh, you hear a lot of people who hate on the Ewoks, and I think that that's – I think they're being a little closed-minded to the, the fact that this is a very big galaxy and there are all kinds of weird, crazy things out there. Yep. Really- they're like, like Jawas, but a little more development well
2: i really like that cuz we have always seen in star wars we've always seen that that you know all the planets are technologically lopsided you know where
0: yeah
2: you uh but 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 once once we get the Endor and and the Ewoks introduced, it, it just it just really shows that technological disparity. And I love that there's a primitive pre-space flight, pre-industrial revolution, pre-bronze pre metalworking pre-metal culture that exists somewhere in, in some corner of the Star Wars universe. And I do also think it's poetic that the most primitive life forms have a really big hand in taking down this the massive technologically superior empire.
1: You know, I actually think that – I have to think it's a little different. I actually feel that the Ewoks are probably more advanced or were at one point and decided to step back. Really? Hmm. I just – I get this feeling about them that they're way too comfortable around all the other weird technology that most primitives, even if you're relatively – you know, if you've seen it before, you still would be a little freaked out by it. Like Hmm. especially like – look at the walkers. I mean – Two foot tall midget bear things taking on those giant Imperial walkers. Yeah. Norm that wasn't that wouldn't logically make sense because they don't have a, like a warrior society like some of the Native Americans you might associate them with, where they would have this this sense of bravery. They don't they don't seem like that. So it's I kind of wonder, especially when you get into those weird Ewok movies. Start, oh yeah, with Wilford Brimley. I know people. People hate those too, but I actually like them as well. I now, think and those they do, do they speak element.
0: English, or they still just make little noises?
1: They still, uh, well, I mean, they still make Ewok noises, and then there's some humans there that speak. Uh, there's like the the old was was that Wilford Brimley in that movie? He's in one of them. W- Wilford in Brimley's two. in the end of the second
2: one. He was a he was a prospector. Who had pre- presumably been stranded on Endor for uh, yeah? Okay, for, yeah, the beginning of the
1: the second one where they're trying to get off, and yeah, okay.
0: That's the one where Wilford Brimley gets diabetes from eating all the jum jum fruits.
2: <laughs> well, you know, diabetes. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if the Ewok movies ever establish where in the timeline of Star Wars they take place. So, you know, it.
1: it I'm actually assuming before. That's my assumption. Yeah, I could see that. Which then it sets up Wicked for being kind of an adventurous one that would take a chance on Leia. I wonder how they fit into the Ewoks cartoon or comic, I guess you could say, comic timeline. Hmm.
2: I don't know. Again, I always assumed that that was all before the events of Star Wars because I just I, I feel like I, I feel like after like the the big celebration, I feel like a lot of the characters would keep coming back to keep coming back to Endor. Now that the planet yeah, is very important spot. Historically.
0: I mean, what do we think about uh, the whole stuff between the Emperor and Darth Vader and the revelation that Leia is Luke's sister?
2: I kind of like it. Uh, it's you know we we had a we had a nice big reveal in the second one. I like that we're still kind of getting reveals uh, in the
1: third one, but it was subtle and that was kind of nice because it wasn't. It, it's important, but it's not the main point. Like the whole Darth Vader's your father type thing, and,
2: and it is laid in. You know, you get that. You get that. You know, like there is another, you know, it's 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 cool the way that works out.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of different ways you could play that. Who the other is.
1: It's like, you know, they could have gone on a search for the other Skywalker if he had, if he had actually heard that. That could have been like the whole third movie was the search for Luke's brother or sister. True. And it not be Leia. Hmm.
2: Turns out Mara Jade is his mother.
1: Oh, God. Don't get me started on her. Too soon. No, I just I think that that's one of those characters that she's got Boba Fett status. Oh yeah,
2: yeah. Actually, let's talk about that because we we I, I I mentioned some of my issues with with Boba Fett in the uh in in when we, when we covered uh, Empire Strikes Back, but. Again, Jedi is just another movie where we see Boba Fett behaving incompetently. He shows up, delivers uh, delivers Han Solo to Jabba's palace, and then rather than moving on to his next to, su- to his next job, just hangs around flirting and presumably drinking. I don't although I don't know how he drinks through that mask. And then when an actual fr- like never lifts a finger in Jabba's palace, and then on the sail barge when an actual fracas does happen. He just kinda of flies around like a jackass and then accidentally dies when his uh rocket pack gets hit and then falls by into blind the to like, Han pit Solo. It.
0: I mean Boba Fett is nothing but Yeah, a by a cool, blind Han Solo. Yeah, Boba Fett's nothing but a cool character design whose character is kind of a mystery and he just goes out like a punk. And um and yet he still was loved by people even after that, the way they finish him off is kind of a joke.
2: Well, I can understand people liking the character. I mean, even I liked the character. It's just that whenever he appears outside of the two Star Wars movies that he's from, he is Batman.
0: Yes. You know, yeah, I, I kind of expect a really Yolo, YOLO meme with Boba Fett His on incompetence
2: it. in the movies with his Batman persona. Hmm. I still
1: think Batman could take him. Very true. He is a villain.
0: Batman versus Boba Fett. Except they can't do well.
1: Well, also, I think it's going to depend on which Batman. That's the that's the big Adam thing.
0: West Batman, of course.
1: Oh, Batman! Adam <laughs> West. Adam West would totally wipe the floor with him. Yeah. Michael Keaton, not so much. Michael Keaton would have a really tough time. <laughs> what about George Clooney? Oh, yeah, George Clooney would just pee his pants and run.
0: I was thinking because think about it, George Clooney,
1: when George Clooney was Batman. That was the point in time where Boba Fett, like that was, wasn't that before the prequels? Yeah, uh, maybe just so before. Boba Fett still was just a punk who got killed by a blind man, but everybody was freaking loving him. This was before Django Fett was an actual badass. So you've got actual badass... Tell me, you guys have uh, have heard uh, the. Actual Cannibal Shia LaBeouf.
2: Oh, I have. You showed it to me. Yes.
1: yes. Well, one of my friends and I we came up with an Actual Cannibal Job of the Hut. No. <laughs> oh. I think I have. That. I'm gonna have to share that with
2: you. Isn't actually isn't that in one of the novels or something? If a hut that like if a hut dies, their their f- relatives eat them.
1: It wouldn't surprise me.
2: I could swear there was something like that. Where like. The body is cut up and like in proportion to your inheritance or something, and but you have to eat it. It was some. I, it sounds like some
1: weird Ferengi type thing.
2: Well, no, in the Ferengi, they freeze dry your corpse, grind it into powder, and sell that as souvenirs. Uh, well, they
1: could the, do that. They could do that with the huts too. Very true. Hmm. <laughs>
2: But uh, you know, there's really is a lot, a lot to talk about with Return of the Jedi. Do you guys feel that this that this wraps up the saga well?
1: I think it's good. I think that they can. I think they did a good job of the whole like ending, tying things up.
0: Yeah, I I just totally understand
1: why they would do why they did prequels before they did sequels. Mm
0: -hmm. I just kind of wish that I don't know that it would have been something else instead of a Death Star two.
1: It does make me wonder, did they really think that one Death Star wasn't going to be enough? Well... as you know they had to have started construction on that a while before.
2: Well, as I understand it, there was uh, – early in Star Wars, there was production art which featured an entire fleet of Death Stars. And, you know, the Death Star is a great ultimate weapon – but if you've only got one and something goes wrong, then you got no ultimate weapon. So I, I kind of like the idea of these multiple. F- you know what? You know what I think it was. It would be like the like the, that Byzantine Empire where it was like divided into five districts and each district had a fortified capital. I think it would have been like that. They would have cut the galaxy up into into a nice little slices, into a couple of big chunky slices, and each one was going to get its own Death Star, just to make sure that there was always a Death Star when you needed one.
1: Well, here's my theory on it. You remember Contact? Yep. Where they yep. built that giant machine thing, but then the Japanese were skimming a little bit off the top and building their own. Mm-hmm. So maybe it was something like that where uh, you know, Moff Tarkin is in charge and he's building the thing, but Darth Vader's skimming a little off the top and building his own <laughs> on the side there, you know? And just, That's why it's not totally finished because they kind of ran out of capital in time.
2: Well, you know, maybe that's how Darth Vader saved face after uh, the destruction of the first Death Star. Don't worry, Emperor. I have a backup.
1: You know, I just imagined him like pressing the button on a on a car thing, and the Death Star. Bleep, beep, beep. <laughs> He's unlocking the Death Star too. It's out oh, there in the parking lot. You know, I guess we ought to talk about the meme
2: this movie generated
1: which one which one cuz there's probably
0: more than one
2: well the big one
0: which one do you mean
2: don't make me say it
0: it's a trap
2: yes that's the one it's a trap
0: it's a I trap love admiral Akbar is one of my favorite characters even though he has six lines of dialogue well, he's he's the most they they do some nice development commander. with him
1: in the in the clone wars
0: oh do they okay in the cartoon yes
1: they do, they do a whole uh, they do a whole thing with um What's his name? Kit Fisto and some uh, and some clones head off to uh, to Mont Calamari, where the it's the squid people and the the, the calamari are fighting. Uh, but they uh, say about separate. Um, I think I don't remember him saying it, but it's been a while since I've seen that episode. I'd have to go dig it up. I will find it for when we do Clone Wars, okay. so I can give you the uh, season and date, just so you can see animated.
0: Yeah.
1: Very cool. Uh, maybe they have actually. Something if you different. Do want to see animated Akbar, they have uh, some scenes from the new show that's in development, where there's a whole scene of him trying to figure out. It's a. It's a. Oh crap! I'm trying to remember all the It's a he, ruse. It's, a deception. it's all these. Yes, it's a ruse. It's a. It's all these different things.
0: I think you could sell a t-shirt with like a, a cartoon drawing of Admiral Akbar saying, "It's a tarp."
2: Well, there's. There's been plenty of variations of it. Um BJ and I wanted to re- we wanted to, to make an Admiral Akbar costume and we wanted to uh to do a film a video at a convention where it's it's a trap do 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 do. It's a trap do 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 <laughs> or, it's a trap do 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 yeah. do and, and we would, you know, find keep, as like, many girls in, in costumes, costumes
1: as possible and
2: <laughs> Yeah. That's, that's... You know what? Maybe we should resolve to do that this year.
1: I'm. A, I'm a, honestly. I don't want to offend anyone.
0: You know what? We'll offend that our that, listeners. Uh, listeners? I've,
1: I've, I'm very much a, a, a big into, especially for transgendered uh, rights and respect. Oh, that's a good point. Well, that's my. Be- that's my whole problem with it is, I. I well, I think it's funny, and I can appreciate it for that. I, I wouldn't want to be insensitive to them.
2: What if we actually had like traps? Like, what if what if we set up like a fake bear trap and Akbar keeps jumping in to save people from stepping into the bear trap? <laughs> <laughs> so that way he's well, saving we, lives. We,
1: we should probably set it up in outside of our uh, our room for the where our Larps are. It's so a
2: trap. I like that. And maybe we could do some different
1: traps. We could do a landmine. could pull a string across it. the the hallway. it's a trap. Snips
0: the string. You know. <laughs> okay, well, I think we've talked a lot about Return of the Jedi. Let's uh, give it a rating out of five stars. I'll begin. Although, again,
2: we probably could do a, uh, a a whole other more episode about this.
0: Sure. I give Star Wars Episode Six: Return of the Jedi, five out of five stars. It's my favorite of the Star Wars films. I love the cast of characters, the sense of action and adventure. Although I prefer the first half on Tatooine to the second half on the forest moon of Endor. Thrasher.
2: Uh, I'm going to give it a, uh, a four and a half stars. It is absolutely my favorite star Wars film, but I, I still don't think it's as good as, uh, as Empire Strikes Back. And it, it pains me to, to take off that half star, but that's really just for bookkeeping purposes so that I have a star-based reminder of where it ranks in terms of quality. Uh, but in my heart of hearts, it is seven stars.
1: I, uh, I, I, this is the one I have to give five stars to. Cool. I think that this one um, you could watch on its own. And it still re- brings that fun and adventure of the first one but takes it to new levels because of the, the fact that they had the budget to do it. So I, I got to give it a, a 5 out of 5.
0: Hmm. Pretty cool. So now we're going to pitch a sequel. and uh, although They are actually making a sequel. Ah, oh, Nerd Rage! 2015 Drop. Star Wars Episode 7. And in the books, they've certainly talked about what's happened. In fact, there's a book called Truce at Bakura that takes place immediately following Return of the Jedi, in which uh, Luke Skywalker and company fight a race of lizard aliens that have evil robot companions. Um, hmm. But in Pitch a Sequel, we're going to you know pitch a sequel to this film. We're talking about Return of the Jedi. I'll begin. I, uh, in, uh, in my pitch, would uh, start where the film... Uh, ended, where all of a sudden the big bonfire gets uh, extinguished, and the Force ghost, are actually apparitions. They change into a physical embodiment of a uh, three evil Sith. Darth Vader immediately comes back, even though he's just died. <laughs> Darth Maul is also revived. And the third person is uh, Darth... Uh, oh, what's his name? Sidious? Not Sidious. Tyrannus. Count uh, Tyrannus, yeah. Darth Tyrannus, Count (coughs) Taku. And uh, the three of them start slaughtering Ewoks left and right. And in this uh, bloody shit show, (laughs) Luke Skywalker, Leia, and Han Solo and Chewbacca have to first off try to escape this massacre. And try to figure out how to launch an attack where there's only one force user left in the galaxy. Luke against three bad ones on this forest planet Evendor. And they end up having a, a climactic battle in the junk shattered remains of the Jedi Temple in Coruscant. Hmm. I would call it Star Wars Episode 7 Return of the Bad Jedi. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Revenge on the Jedi. <laughs>
0: Uh BJ what's your picture sequel?
1: Uh actually I would um I think some of the excuse, excuse me. With the sneeze there. Uh,
0: okay,
1: I actually really uh some of the books were actually really good and I'd love to see them as sequels. Uh especially the the courtship of Princess Leia is my favorite. Yeah, because uh, I one. I I really like the way that they developed the romance between them and then the whole having to, her having to choose to to marry the the Really wealthy guy, or to to marry Han. I think that it's it's such a classic story. As well as I love the introduction of alternate Force uh, users, hmm. the the witches of Dathomir who have a, a kind of primitive primal style use of the Force, is uh, like primitive shamanism. Hmm. And the fact that there's rancors that they ride on. Oh yeah. I I think that, that if you were gonna make a movie of one of the, the books, I think that would have been a, a great one to do. It's a little late now with everybody be getting so much older, it's kinda hard to to do that because it would be need them much younger and I wouldn't want to see Han Solo and Princess Leia and everybody recast. I think that would uh bother me.
0: Hmm.
1: So yes, I would make the courtship of Princess Leia. Well, cool.
2: I think I think I would do Star Wars Episode Seven, uh, The Empire's Last Stand. So, uh, the empire is now falling. Uh, the empire now falling apart. Uh, so, all of the empire's lieutenants, regional governors, generals, strongmen, what have you, have all pulled have all pulled ranks and have uh, blockaded basically blockaded the core planets of the galaxy they're blockading coruscant and a couple of other very strategically important planets and they're planets that are inevitably going to have to be liberated for a new galactic republic to function uh, so the main so the main story you have is the rebel fleet getting organized and getting ready to lay siege to liberate the core worlds uh, however you know, uh, this is this is several years after Return of the Jedi. Uh, Luke has continued to develop his mastery of the Force, and Luke, against everyone's wishes, sneaks through the blockade and and quite literally breaks into uh, breaks into the, the the fortress capital on Coruscant to not so much deliver an ultimatum to the to the Imperial generals, but to basically make a case that the best thing they can do is to stand down and kind of. Kind of do a very sort of Jesus-like sort of act of self-sacrifice, throwing himself in front of these generals to, to plead with them to, for the good of the galaxy to, st- to put down their arms. Now, of course, they're not going to do that, and they're going to kidnap him. And uh brutalize him, and try to get him to spill all the rebellion secrets, which he 's not going to do, so then the assault happens, so you have this also you have this awesome assault with the empire closing in on the core worlds, uh, and the imperial generals there's backstabbing there's double crossing as all the imperial generals try to hold on to the power they have, and then uh, a tortured and presumably broken Luke Skywalker busts out of where they're holding him, and fights his way up the Imperial chain of command uh, to uh, he gave them the chance. Now he must end them with a good quick death.
0: Mm. That'd be very uh, interesting. and I hope when they actually make episode 7, they do some stuff with uh, Luke Skywalker in there, but we can only see I would really like to
1: see them do it, you know, far enough in the future that maybe we get to see Luke um teaching new jedi, you know, really reforming the Jedi order. I think that's one of the main mainstays of the the novels is yes, the whole yeah. reformation of the and I think that would work with old uh <laughs> with our, our actors age time uh I'm pretty sure Harrison Ford wouldn't wouldn't really want to be back, but I think we could do without Han Solo and bring someone new in. Or maybe hey, I bet we could get Billy D. Williams.
0: Could, Billy yeah. D.
1: Williams. We'll, we'll we can we could totally substitute, uh, you know, Billy the whole uh, Lando instead of Han. Maybe Han's off having babies, so uh, Chewie and Lando are now adventuring.
2: Be cool. Although at the same time, I would lo- I would love Mark Hamill. Like I would love to have a Star Wars movie with Mark Hamill again. But I want Mark Hamill to not only be playing Luke Skywalker, but to also play several aliens, giving each one of them their own voice. Hmm. Aliens and droids.
1: Yes, he's definitely one of my favorite voice actors, right behind Grey Delisle.
2: You know, I can't believe we didn't talk about the droids in this episode.
1: They're really not as important, I think, in this as they are in some of the previous ones.
2: Although Java Java puts them through the ringer. C3PO gets slimed. We get to see that droid torture chamber.
1: Yes, that was yeah. that. That was one of the interesting stories in the tales uh, book. Was about that uh, the droid who runs the torture chamber. Mm, yeah.
2: Hmm.
0: Well, great. I think those are some fun ideas. Now let's go to our final segment. What you're watching? Uh, something I've been gobbling up lately is a uh, it's a series that was on the independent film channel, but it's now out of print on DVD and they just have a YouTube channel with all the shows on it that's official, I think. It's called um, Dinner for Five. Hmm. Have you ever heard of this?
1: No. So it's
0: it's hosted by director and actor John Favreau, who directed and and has a co-starring role in Iron Man 1 and 2. And um, he has four other actors or actresses and they all have dinner and talk. And uh, each hmm. episode is just about 20 minutes and change. But there's some episodes with like, uh, I saw one with Dom DeLuise, Burt Reynolds, and um, Charles Nelson Reilly was on oh, the show Oh, that's
1: episode. cool. Oh, wow. So it's like actual interesting celebrities and not yes. modern.
0: Uh, they have some modern ones, but it's a good, respectful mixture like of, of the Nobody old and the, and the young. I mean, one had, like, Kevin Pollack, uh, Jennifer... Was it Jennifer Silverman? No.
2: Sarah Silverman?
0: Jesus. Yeah, you're right. Sarah Silverman and uh, Rod Steiger. It's just a real interesting mix between the end, the new and the old, and it has nice jazzy music in there. Um, There's a really dark one I saw that had Andy Dick and uh, Marilyn Manson where Marilyn Manson... Oh, God, that... Yeah, and, that and they're actually friends in real life, and Marilyn Manson cool. talked about a uh, an experimental short film he did where he just had a camera running at a themed party he had, where a girl basically walks in to the party and starts uh, taking her clothes off... Like you do. And, ...and drinks a glass of someone's... of a band member's urine, and starts like trying to do. kill herself in front of people, like you do, and... uh it was really, and he said he showed it to his manager and his manager said, never show that to anyone in Hollywood or else you're never <laughs> having a career of anything ever again.
1: Yeah, it definitely sounds artsy, yes. not not Hollywood material.
0: No. Mm.
1: Now, was she acting like she was trying to kill herself or was she actually trying to? I like, wasn't a she setup, was acting, that's the but whole they didn't question.
0: have any other, like, no one else knew that this was happening as a joke besides... Uh,
2: also oh, it was a hidden camera?
0: I don't know if there was a hidden camera, but I mean nobody knew who this person was who the who the girl was. So uh, what is something you've been watching, uh, Thrasher?
2: Well, uh, I have not been watching much as I've been scrambling to get everything together uh, for, for VisionCon next week. Uh, although it might be last week, depending on when and where you're listening to this. Uh, but then again, I also partly exist outside of time. So sure, it is always next week, uh, re- regardless of when or where you're listening to this episode. Um haven't had much time to watch anything, but what I have done is I uh, finally got back into reading uh, reprint of a classic DC House of Mysteries comics.
0: So are they in fact mysteries or
2: they're not mysteries, they're all kind of generally spooky tales and yarns. Uh, qu- uh quality and tone is well like qual- the tone is all over the place and the quality is is uneven, but their good stories are really really good uh and uh, unlike uh most other horror comics I've read, there's a sense of humor that kind of Permeates the entire book, and they have this running gag where every every issue on page thirteen, page thirteen is something special, whether it's like a curse that, or invocation that's supposed to give the reader actual bad luck, or a letter, uh, a post. The page thirteen is a is a is a cutout postcard you're supposed to be able to send to someone to give them your bad luck. One of the most creative ones. Uh, one of the stories uh, ran a few pages longer than normal. So the thirteenth page of the story would be page thirteen, and it's the page It's the thirteenth page, but all torn up and burned and crumpled and damaged. And there's this little cartoon of a dragon eating the pages, and there's this kind of like wicked witch type character cackling about uh, how how bad it how unlucky it was for the page to fall on page thirteen. Uh, and it's so it, I, I really appreciate the sense of humor. And Sergio Aragones did strips for it. Hmm. Which is really cool. There's always a like, two pages of strips of, of Sergio Aragone's work, and they're all just you know real kind of dark but madcap uh, humor. Hmm.
0: Is it pretty detailed artwork, or?
2: Well, I mean, it's it's your standard Sergio Aragone's artwork. So, hmm. generally speaking, the backgrounds or are, or are, are, are standard strip stuff. So, generally speaking, the backgrounds are pretty plain, but there's a tremendous amount of detail in the characters.
0: Hmm. We'll see. I think we've done a good job this show of talking about different Return of the Jedi stuff. Uh, Tune in next week when we talk about Star Wars Episode 1 The Phantom Menace, and check out other episodes of SequelCast at SequelCast.com
2: Oh, and check out our first uh, solo sequel commentary, which will be out soon, for Battle Beyond the Stars.
0: Yes, uh, by Thrasher. Yep. And how does Battle Beyond the Stars relate to Star Wars?
2: Well, it's a... uh... Classic example of Roger Corman striking an iron while it's hot. So Star Wars comes out. Everybody wants more epic space opera. And uh, Roger Corman knows he can make an epic space opera real quick. And so that's what he did. Uh, And Battle Beyond the Stars, uh, just as the original Star Wars has a lot of samurai and western uh, influences, Battle Beyond the Stars is, for all intents and purposes, the seven samurai in outer space. So it's pulling on a lot of the same influences as Star Wars. Yeah. And it has Sybil Danning.
0: Nice. Very Sybil of you. Okay.
2: I'll thank you to keep a Sybil tongue in your head.
0: Ooh, I, w- I wish it was uh, Sybil Shepherd's tongue. Oh. Hey now. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, good. I'm really tired. <laughs> so,
2: so no Star Wars sketch to end up this episode then. No. Okay.
0: No Star Wars sketch. Um, for the sequel cast, this is Matt.
1: This is Thrasher, and this is BJ.
0: Saying, Bochuda solo." Oh. Jab jab ita. Let damn, me damn, look upon damn, you damn, with damn, my own damn. eyes. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, I'm afraid the Death Star is quite operational.
2: Your faith in your friends is yours.
1: You want this, don't you,
2: Chewy? Chewy, Chewy, it's just a dead animal, Chewy, Chewy.
1: <laughs> now what you've done, you big furry oaf!
2: Someone who loves you. <laughs> what are the bird noises?
1: You are to be the main, <laughs> the main dish in a banquet in my honor. <laughs> 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 gets by programming to ourselves. So hey we today. actually do establish that there are is somewhat cannibalism uh, among the uh, the Ewoks. They are much darker <laughs> than we thought.
2: Yeah. That's true. They are hungry
1: little fellas I'm curious as if they're, they they sound a lot like Jawas. I wonder if they're related. I don't know. Maybe, maybe they, they said can... Jawas are supposed to look kind of rat like? Oh. Or I could see that I could see that being somewhat related to Ewoks. Maybe there was the
2: diaspora and they just evolved differently on different planets. One last
0: bit of yeah. you know that Warwick Davis was cast in this movie as Wicket the Ewok uh because of his grandmother. Really? His grandmother is driving a car and heard that oh in England they were hiring a bunch of little people for the new Star Wars movie and she suggested um uh, talked about it to her her daughter and her daughter's son was Warwick, and they were told, "Oh, it was too late; all the parts were already cast." But didn't have someone that young cast, and that, you know, they there was a younger character in the film, but originally Wicked was going to be played by. Um, Kenny Baker. Kenny Baker, yeah, but then he That's... was sick on the day of filming, so they threw Warwick Davis in there, and the rest. And is, then he is, became is, Willow,
1: Yep. and the Leprechaun.
2: But hey, life's too short.
0: It is. Too, too short.
1: I wonder if you should do the Leprechaun series here on Sequelcast. We could. I've been campaigning
2: for that.